Cool Joe will you? And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nana'sPorch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Welcome into the Late Night Gamecock Show. This is episode 7 of the show, and I'm recording this Monday evening on June 26th, 2023. As always, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt Anderson, and I'm your host for all things Gamecock After Dark. You can reach me at latenightgamecockshow at gmail.com or on the Big Spur message board under the username Matt Anderson. So, latenightgamecockshow at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up there. I always enjoy hearing from you folks. And, you know, as we get into the dog days of summer, we'll probably do a heck of a lot more question and answer episodes. So, send me your questions and we'll do some QA. I want to thank you again for joining me tonight. I really do appreciate you spending your time with me. I know that there are a million things in the day that you got to get done that you want to do. And, you know, just knowing you're spending some time with me makes me feel really, really great. Um, Tonight, tonight on the show, we're going to recap the big official visit weekend. We're going to talk about the latest Gamecock baseball assistant coach. We're going to touch on the Gamecock men's basketball team's conference opponents being revealed for this upcoming SEC schedule. And I'm sure we'll talk about some other things as things come up. But with that being said, let's get on with the show. So tonight, y'all, we're going to start with baseball. Um, baseball updates. The The biggest thing that happened in the baseball world, you know, over the weekend, and the news kind of kind of got, got out of the bag today, Joey Holcomb, who was formerly an assistant coach at Campbell, has agreed to join the Gamecock baseball staff as an on-field coach with a full salary. So if you guys weren't paying attention or you just didn't hear about it, this is a new thing now. You can now have um, three full-time assistant baseball on-field coaches in the NCAA. So prior to that, there were only two coaches that were allowed to be full-salaried on-field assistant coaches. And um, with this news, now the Gamecocks can have three and so can every other team in college baseball at, at one time there was a lot of thought that, you know, the same way that Taylor Edwards is kind of the recruiting coordinator for the football team, that it might be in the baseball program's best interest to have a kind of recruiting coordinator, somebody that might not be at every single baseball game, you know, doing a lot of scouting in the high school junior college ranks during the season. But as it worked out, the Gamecocks kind of found their man in former Campbell assistant coach Joey Holcomb. Uh, this has kind of been in the works behind the scenes for a few weeks now. Nothing was official until until a few days ago. So come July 1st, he's going to be a full-time member of the coaching staff, and I'm sure he's going to begin recruiting, meeting with players. But to give you a little bit of a background on Joey Holcomb, and, and to be honest with you guys, I'm going to be I'm going to just tell you what I found out. I, I didn't know much about him. I'm I watch the Gamecocks play baseball, and I kind of keep – 
keep up to date with some stuff that you know people tell me. But Joey Holcomb was not somebody that was on my radar until a few weeks ago. So I'm I'm kind of learning here with you. In 2023, obviously, we saw the Campbell Camels come to the Columbia Regional. Um, the Gamecocks, you know, played against Campbell, you know, won that game. But uh, there was a lot of talk for Campbell to be a top 16 national seed in the NCAA baseball tournament and ended up being a two seed in Columbia. But let me tell you a little bit about what Campbell's done since um, Coach Holcomb, you know, came to the Camels. In 2023, Campbell set program records for home runs, stolen bases, slugging percentage, run scored, RBIs, total bases, walks, and times hit by a pitch. This was the second time that Campbell broke several school records with Holcomb on staff. So we always talk about the Gamecocks approach at the at the plate. And, you know, there's all this conversation about Coach Kingston and launch angles and if you're on the Big Spur and you're around, you know, the baseball program, a lot of folks have said, Oh my gosh, like look what Monty Lee did. Monty Lee was a was a great addition to the coaching staff this year for sure. But you know, I think that I think what Coach Holcomb can bring is just a little bit more hands on approach to hitting. I think coupled with Monty Lee, you know, Monty Lee is a former head coach um at College of Charleston, at at Clemson. So I mean he kind of brings that kind of I don't know. I always think about like college basketball and in college basketball, you kind of have the assistant head coach, the associate head coach that is kind of a head coach in waiting or somebody that's been a head coach for a long time. So I think when you allow coach Kingston and, and, and Monty Lee to be able to, you know, work together in tandem as kind of like that head coach, associate head coach. And then, you know, you have Matt Williams and you have, um, you have Joey here who can, can essentially say, okay, I'm going to take care of pitching. I'm going to take care of hitting with input from Coach Kingston and Coach Lee. I, I don't think you can go wrong. I mean, Campbell has been just a, a baseball team that tears the cover off the ball. They hit the ball to all fields. They hit one through nine in the lineup. So it's really cool to see that, you know, Campbell set so many program records. And this is the second time they've done that with, with Joey on staff. Last season in the national team rankings, Campbell ranked, um, Ninth in batting average at 318, first in on base percentage, second in slugging percentage, second in OPS, seventh in home runs, and third in runs scored. So that's national team rankings. And, you know, you can always talk about level of competition, but I mean, we saw what Campbell did in our regional. I mean, they, they're, they're a team that can hit the cover off the ball. I think they ended up scoring 17 runs and, you know, like the, 18 innings they played before they played against um, South Carolina. So this team is this team was a good hitting team, and I think that Joey Holcomb had a lot to do with it. Holcomb's known as a great recruiter and offensive baseball coach. Um, prior to joining the Campbell staff, where he joined in 2021, he coached at um, NC State and UNC Greensboro. But his first year at Campbell, he led the team to record-breaking achievements, such as hitting 118 home runs, which – you know, was the highest in program history. The team achieved the unique distinction of hitting 100 home, 100 plus home runs, stealing 100 plus bases, and getting hit by 100 plus pitches. So, that approach at the plate is going to be something that I think we as Gamecock fans should be really excited about with um, Coach Holcomb. Um, they were the only team to accomplish that: 100 home runs, 100 stolen bases, and 100 hit by pitches in 2020. What was that? Got to look at my notes here, guys. Yeah, in twenty in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. So in twenty twenty one, he worked at NC State. 
He helped lead NC State to College World Series semifinals. Um, he worked with eight Major League Baseball draft picks, and he he did the same thing at NC State they did at Campbell. I mean, really, it's it's crazy when you look at his resume and then the fact that the Gamecocks would get him as a third assistant coach. Um, prior to NC State, he spent seven seasons with the UNC Greensboro baseball team, and he coached 16 Major League draft picks. And that's that's a lot of draft picks for UNC Greensboro. Holcomb is a 2006 Huntington College graduate and native of Locust Fork, Alabama. Um, he's known for his detail-oriented coaching style, work ethic, and team loyalty. Um, this is what Justin Hare, who hired him at Campbell, said after, um, you know, obviously he, he, he went to Campbell. But um, he praised Holcomb's track record of developing athletes and assembling championship-level recruiting classes. Um, Holcomb's family includes his wife, Brittany, and three sons. So, you know, we just want to welcome Coach Holcomb to South Carolina. We're excited for what he has to, to bring to the table. Um, there's nothing really developing right now when it comes to the high-priority baseball transfer portal players. Um, Billy Amick and Dominic Neiman, they're going to take some visits before making a decision where they're going to play baseball next year. But, you know, I can only tell you, so just stay plugged to the thebigspur.com. John Whittle is going to keep you updated on all the baseball portal news. He knows way more than I do when it comes to who's going to potentially be in the Garnet and Black next year. But going back to Coach Holcomb, needless to say, South Carolina made another outstanding hire. And like I said, we welcome him to Columbia. This staff is really looking like it's going to be a force in recruiting. And I think you're going to see some tweaks to their approach at the plate that should lead to more base hits, a higher team batting average, and and some extra base hits in, in there too. So excited for that news. Um, moving on to some other topics here, um, Gamecock basketball news and notes. So for those of you that don't know, Gamecock basketball is my first passion in life. Before I was a Gamecock football fan, a Gamecock baseball fan, I was a ball boy for the Gamecock basketball team. Um, I hate it, but I missed the, the SEC championship season, but I was a ball boy for the next four years. So spent a lot of time with those players, um, the coaches, as a young kid, and like needless to say, they were my idols growing up. Um, funny little story here. Um, I got a parakeet as a kid when I was like, I don't know, like 11, 12 years old, and I named him Hagen after um, Gamecock basketball player Hagen Rouse, who was kind of the first basketball player when I was a ball boy to kind of take me under his wing. And, and golly, I'm so good at puns. But um, and he he was always great at basketball camps. Um, when I was a ball boy, he'd help me learn how to shoot, um, learn how to dribble. So I have a special place in my heart for all those Gamecock basketball players back then. So I always pay attention to Gamecock basketball. I know it's a sport that you know has been frustrating for Gamecocks lately. But the SEC did release each team in the conferences conference opponents for the upcoming season. Um, Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi State were named as the Gamecocks' three permanent opponents. Each team will play the other 13 teams because right now we have 14 teams in the SEC, add in Oklahoma and Texas, and, and probably some other teams in the future. But So right now each team will play the other 13 teams at least once during league play, and then they'll play their three permanent opponents as home and away games each season, and there's going to be two other games that are going to kind of change each year. Kind of think about what the Gamecock football team is going to see with um, – you know, maybe not going to Alabama every year, or LSU every year, but 
um, having those teams kind of shuffle through. So the home and away opponents are as follows. The home opponents this season for um, the basketball team, which we don't have the schedule and the, and the dates for these games yet, but the home opponents will be Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, LSU, Ole Miss, Missouri, Mississippi State, and Tennessee. And the away opponents – oh, sorry, I missed Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's in there as well. The road opponents will be Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Georgia, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Texas A&M. So when it comes to when it comes to college basketball, you know I I, I pay attention to college basketball. Obviously, the Gamecock level, I pay attention to it at the SEC level, but also the national level. Um, for those of you that are not members of the Big Spur. One of my two passions in life that I spend way too much time on than I should are college basketball, kind of making predictions, my rankings, um, predicting the NCAA tournament field. And then, you know, I'm a part of every bracket challenge you can find online. And my other passion is fantasy football. Um, I've been a part of a fantasy football league for over 15 years now. It's the same league. It's kind of my home league. Um, I play a lot of DFS, I play a lot of best ball, all of that when it comes to fantasy football, but my league of record is the League of Gamecocks. It's full of, you know, a bunch of Gamecock grads who have been in this league together for over 15 years. Um, started in Florence, South Carolina when we were in high school, and it's just been a lot of fun to keep up with them. But college basketball is my other passion, and when it comes to college basketball, I look at a lot of predictive metrics. I look at you know, records versus like quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four opponents, strength of schedule. But I've found that predictive metrics are the best metrics when it comes to kind of predicting how teams will finish up. And the the two websites that I look at the most are Kenpom. Um, Kenpom has a free section where you can just see his ratings overall for all 353 teams. And then you can pay $20 a year and you can dig into some of his deeper metrics, you know, look at team pages, all that. But the other one I look at is Bart Torvik. Um, Bart Torvik actually has his 2024 preseason rankings out, and they include, you know, roster transition over the last offseason. So right now, if you're looking at predictive metrics for college basketball, Bart Torvik is probably where I'd recommend you go. Ken Palm has not released his preseason metrics as of this recording. Um, usually it's about a month maybe a month and a half before the college basketball season starts. But Torvik has all SEC schools, all SEC schools rated as um, top 103 college basketball teams for next season. So when you think about it, the SEC, every single team in that league is going to be in the top third of college basketball next season. The good news is that South Carolina will have ample opportunities to get quality wins during the regular season. Um, you look at that home rec- that home schedule, you look at the road schedule, I mean, pretty much every single one of those games is going to be a quad one, quad two, maybe a quad three. Not a, not a whole lot of quad threes in there. And we'll, we'll talk more about what quad one, quad two, quad three means later, but essentially it's just a, it's a metric to say like how valuable is a win. But, so the good news is South Carolina is going to have a lot of opportunities to get big wins this season. The bad news is that Bart Torvik has South Carolina ranked dead last in the conference and um, 103rd nationally. So we're still looking at a top third team in, in, in college basketball next season, but the Gamecocks seem to have a lot of work to do, according to Bart Torvik. 
Um, just going around the SEC, Tennessee is the the top top rated team in the SEC and nationally for for the SEC, and um, they're ranked third in the country. Texas A&M is ranked eleventh. Florida 16th, Kentucky 18th, Alabama 23rd, um, 24th is Auburn, 26th is Arkansas, and 32nd is Mississippi State. So when you look at the, those home and, and road games, there's a lot of good home games. I encourage Gamecocks to get out to Colonial Life Arena, spend some time with the Gamecock team. You know, go get out there and support them because they're going to need your your support this season because they have a lot of quality opponents um, coming to Colonial Life Arena. When you look at the road opponents, um, it doesn't get any easier. Any game on the road is tough. I will say that, you know, having th- having eight of the top thirty-two teams in the country means that you know games on the road are going to mean a mean a great deal. So the Gamecocks would it'd be great to hold serve, maybe win twenty-five percent of them if we're looking at the NIT NCAA next year. Um, but looking past you know the top thirty-two teams in the country in the SEC, LSU is ranked fifty-first. Ole Miss, Missouri, and Vanderbilt are ranked somewhere between that 69th and 78th in the country. And then Georgia and South Carolina bring up the rear. Um, Georgia's 87th and South Carolina's 103rd nationally. One of the cool things that Bart Torvik does is he tries to predict um, kind of the rotations for teams and, you know, predicting points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game. Um, I think it is worth noting that he predicts four Gamecock players to average around double figures. Anytime you can get four to five guys averaging double figures, it gives you more opportunities each game to have to have kids that can go get buckets when you need them. But he has Michi Johnson at 12.7 points per game, Talon Cooper at 12 points per game, B.J. Mack at 11.8, and Jacoby Wright at 9.7 points per game. I think that there's going to be some Gamecock players that you know flirt with double digits that he doesn't have you know, represented at this moment. And I don't know if you're going to see like an 18 point per game guy out of this upcoming Gamecock basketball season, but um, Talon Cooper is just an all around great basketball player. Michi Johnson, you've seen him get buckets from time to time. BJ Mack averaged like 15 points per game, maybe more. And he's a transfer. And then Jacoby Wright just been a guy that's been getting steadily better year over year. So if we can get that from those four guys and just get our role players to kind of do their job, I think we're going to be okay. I'm going to talk a little bit later just about every SEC basketball team and what they have returning. And so we'll talk about that here in a second. But Bart Torvik present, uh, predicts a 14-17 and 17 record for the Gamecocks, a 5-13 record in conference play. As always, this stuff is super early to really be projecting as schedules aren't completely finalized yet. We kind of know who some of the non-conference opponents are going to be, and obviously we now know who the Gamecocks will play at home and on the road in SEC play. But I always say with these predictive metrics, and Bart Torvik does a really good job, and so does Ken Palm, but you always need to give it four to six weeks of the regular season before you can really take these things with a huge grain of salt. Or I would actually take these things with a big grain of salt right now, and, and they'll get better as you get you know more data sets, more data points here. But that's where the Gamecocks stand right now. I'm going to do a much more detailed breakdown of Gamecock basketball and SEC basketball closer to the season beginning. However, it's worth noting that this year is going to be a 
it's going to be a transition year for a lot of teams in the SEC. I think it's going to be a transition year for a lot of teams in college basketball. Um, some conferences are going to be hit by this more or less, but with name, image, likeness, with the free transfer, you know, not having to sit out for a year, um, it's it's going to be a year in transition. So I'm going to run through each team really quickly. Um, I'm, I promise I'm going to get to the official visitors and and some Gamecock football recruiting here in a little bit, but. Um, basketball is a passion of mine, so I wanted to kind of run through this. Um, when you look at the SEC next year, Alabama only returns 21.9 points per game from last season, and they're going to have eight new players on their roster this upcoming year. It's a mix of top 100 recruits and three 15-point-per-game transfers. Auburn returns 37.3 points per game from last season, and they're going to have seven new players on their roster. Similar to Alabama, some highly rated recruits, but five players who scored double-digit points per game last season at their respective schools. Um, Auburn's, you know, one of the, the upper echelon teams when it comes to points returning. They're going to return 44 points per game from last season. They only brought in one elite recruit, but they did get a couple double-digit double scores via the transfer portal from lower-level schools. Florida only returns 24 points per game from last season, and they didn't really have a stellar recruiting class, which is it's kind of weird. Florida kind of goes in cycles with their, their basketball recruiting. But they're bringing in nine new players between their recruiting class and the transfer portal. Um, a few of those guys scored double digits in the transfer portal, but, you know, it just again, we're talking about, you know, eight new players in Alabama, seven new players at Arkansas, um, a bunch of, you know, like four or five from Auburn. Florida's bringing in nine new players. Georgia brings back only 24.1 points per game from last season. They, they they got a pretty good recruiting class, but coupled with the transfers, that, that amounts to nine new players on the roster. Kentucky's really, really interesting. They really got hit hard by transfers and early declares for the NBA draft. I mean, Kentucky is a team that obviously has kind of been the – the team in the SEC since as long as I've been alive, but they're bringing back 19.2 points per game. They do have the number one recruiting class in the country, and they have five players ranked in the top 22 nationally in that recruiting class, and they're adding a total of eight new players. But what's interesting with Kentucky is they only sit at 11 scholarship players currently, so they have room for some more people. We'll see who they can get. Um, they added a West Virginia transfer today with the – the Bobby Huggins, you know, abrupt exit from West Virginia. Um, they they got, I think his name's Trey Mitchell, um, a good player, former five star. He started at UMass, and then I think he went somewhere else. But you know, this recruiting class overall isn't one of those recruiting classes, you know, just nationally that has a lot of studs, a lot of guys the NBA super high on. So I'm really interested to see what happens with Kentucky. Um, you know, they obviously hired Chuck Martin from Oregon. We remember Chuck Martin from his time at South Carolina under Frank Martin. But Kentucky's going to be a team in flux, and they're really going to have to rely on their their five-star freshman. Um, LSU, I mean, if you look at the transition that happened at South Carolina after Frank Martin left, and, you know, Matt McMahon, I think it's his name, the coach at LSU, he's only bringing back 18 points from last year. And last year he had a mass exodus and a mass – reintroduction of new players from the transfer portal when he came from Murray State. They have eight newcomers. Um, they did have a good recruiting class. They had a few four stars and they got some transfers in, but you know, that's eight newcomers coming to LSU. 
Mississippi State brings back a massive 56.4 points per game from last year, and they added six players to their team this year. It's a mix of four stars and transfers. Missouri brings back 20.2 points per game from last season, and they have eight newcomers. So they have some promising freshmen and some transfers. But, you know, I just want to reiterate, like, you know, we think that this stuff only happens in South Carolina, but just look around the SEC and the amount of new players coming in is astounding. Um, Looking at Ole Miss, they bring back 30.2 points per game from last season, and they have a whopping 10 newcomers. Um, It's a mix of three- and four-star recruits, and then they they did bring in some guys that played high major basketball through the transfer portal. South Carolina, um, we bring back 29.8 points per game, and, you know, you look at the guys that left after Frank Martin, you know, maybe last season could have been different, um, but... You know, when you look at, you know, what the rest of the teams in the conference are bringing back, you know, the Gamecocks are bringing back close to 30 points per game and six newcomers. I really do like the mix of the guys the Gamecocks bring back, um, you know, from their team last year. And honestly, a couple with the newcomers, I wouldn't be shocked if the Gamecocks, you know, I would actually be shocked if the Gamecocks finished last in the SEC. I know that I, I trust Bart Torbick for a lot of things, but um, I, I don't foresee South Carolina finishing last. I think they brought in a good mix of transfers here. Um, and obviously, you know, Colin Murray Boyle is a guy that Bart Torvik, you know, expects like two points per game from. I'd, I'd be shocked if that's the case from him. Miles Stute, he expected like six points per game. So that, that might sound about right. I mean, he's kind of a three and D guy, but I mean, he averaged eight last year for Vanderbilt. So we can probably get a couple more, squeeze a couple more points out of him. Um, Tennessee brings back 46.2 points per game from last season, and they did add four four-star recruits, and all three of their transfers averaged 15 points per game or more last season at, small, at smaller schools. So Tennessee is bringing back 46 points per game, seven new guys, you know, all highly rated recruits and guys that were able to get buckets um, in the transfer portal. So I understand why Bart Torvik has Tennessee third overall and tops in the SEC. Texas A&M brings back, oh, this is crazy, but Texas A&M brings back 62.7 points from last season, and they have a ton of returning players. They're only adding three players to their roster. Um, I love Buzz Williams. I think he's a great coach. They're adding one recruit and two 12-point-per-game transfers. Um, Gamecock fans might remember the recruit. Um, They're bringing in Bryce Lindsey, who was at one time a South Carolina basketball commitment the Gamecocks ultimately dropped Bryce Lindsey, but he ended up being ranked the 176 nationally rated recruit in this past cycle after taking a um, a prep year. So Texas A&M is a team that I would really, really watch out for this year in the SEC. I think that you know Buzz Williams is a great coach. They're bringing back a lot of talent, and they're adding some good talent as well. The last team to mention um, from the SEC is Vanderbilt. They're bringing back 32.9 points per game, and they add um, four four-star recruits. So Jerry Stackhouse, who kind of has a track record in the G League, um, has some AAU connections, bringing in a really good recruiting class with four four-stars and then one three-star recruit to go along with um, two transfers who combined average 32.9 points per game last season. So that they're going to have eight newcomers, so... I mean, we always talk about football being a sport that has been hit hard by the transfer portal. Portal, But in my opinion, basketball has been hit the hardest in college sports. 
it's a new era with almost every team in the country bringing, you know, seven plus newcomers per year now. And some of these teams are having to like turn over their entire team. But I do think that with the transfer portal, this is a place that South Carolina can be competitive in going forward. I think that there's always going to be an opportunity to, you know, for better or for worse, college basketball is kind of becoming like the AAU basketball circuit where, you know, players might play for one team, one tournament, then another team, the next tournament. And you're seeing this in college basketball because they don't have to sit out anymore. Um, you just never know what a role player might get in NIL from another team that just specifically needs that person. It's, it's almost like NBA free agency where, you know, JJ Reddick got, you know, a $20 million per year salary because he was good for 13 to 17 points per game, but he was able to stretch the stretch the floor and providing, you know, a shooter that teams had to account for. I think that's kind of where you're seeing college basketball go right now. Um, just a lot more of like, hey, you know, this NIL deal might be worth it to us to get this particular thing that we need. So for better or worse, college basketball is, you know, an AAU-driven market, and the Gamecocks have to continue to recruit South Carolina well. They have to continue to to mine that transfer portal. I, I, I want to say that there were over 1,500 kids in the transfer portal this past year, and it clearly reflects with how many newcomers are on each team in the SEC. Um so as we get closer to basketball season, we'll do a, you know, a bigger deep dive on, you know, non-conference opponents, conference opponents. I'll, I'll kind of give my predictions for SEC basketball season, um, you know, Gamecock record, you know, players to watch, you know, what I'm hearing from behind the scenes, you know, talking to guys associated with the program. But wanted to have a quick basketball chat there because, you know, it is important when you find out your opponents and the Gamecocks found that out this past week. So let's go, let's go to football recruiting here. Um, I'm going to do like a little bit of a recruiting recap. I'm going to start with previous official visitors. Um, Jalewis Solomon is a four-star athlete that the Gamecocks like in the secondary. He listed the Gamecocks as his public leader after his visit to Columbia a few weeks ago. But after a visit to Florida state and a visit to Tallahassee, he now lists Florida state as his leader I think it's always been a South Carolina-Florida State battle. I mean, this is a kid from Georgia. Um, Florida State traditionally does well in Georgia. And at this point, I would be surprised if he joins the Gamecock recruiting class. The Gamecocks just have to hope that he holds off on a public commitment. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he silently committed to Florida State. they've They've been high up for him for a long time and, you know, I, I told you guys you had to watch out for Florida State here, and I think that I think that the Seminoles probably have have the best shot at him right now. It's worth noting that he does have a younger brother, a five star linebacker um, with a different last name. That um, I don't know if these guys are a package deal. I don't know if they want to kind of blaze their own paths here, but the Gamecocks will continue to be involved with his younger brother, and and Torian Gray is not going to give up on Jalewis Solomon. Um, we'll see if he holds off on a commitment. We'll see how the season goes. Um, but I, I, I do think he'll continue to listen to the Gamecocks, um, even if he makes a public commitment to Florida State. But at this time, you know, I, I would definitely pencil him as, as a Florida State lean. Braylon Russell is a four-star running back from Arkansas. Um, he was previously committed to Arkansas. He took a visit to South Carolina. He has a, a good relationship with offensive coordinator Dowell Loggins from the Gamecocks. 
But he did take an official visit to Tennessee over the weekend. And now he lists Tennessee, South Carolina, and Arkansas as his top three teams. I think the Gamecocks are going to run the race here. I think the Gamecocks want at least two running backs in this recruiting class. Obviously, um, Michael Fuller was the welcome home that I was hinting at um, early Friday morning, the last time I did a podcast, and he went forward with a public commitment Friday around around 1 o'clock. Um, you know, Michael Fuller was a guy that, you know, if, if you remember Anthony Carey, Anthony Carey is a four-star running back that I think committed to Michigan State. Um, the Gamecocks were probably his leader before they before they really got invested in Michael Fuller, and they decided to take Michael Fuller over Anthony Carey. I don't know if Carey was ready to make a commitment at the time, but the Gamecocks kind of stopped communicating with Carey, knowing that they were probably going to get Michael Fuller in the boat. Uh, Michael Fuller's a great kid, um, great prospect. Uh, he, he probably is going to remind you of like a Kevin Harris, maybe a Rico Dowdle. So obviously Kevin Harris and Rico Dowdle, both great Gamecock running backs. Rico kind of struggled with injuries, but um, so Michael Fuller's in the boat. Um, we'll talk about Daniel Hill a, bit, a little bit later. I don't know if they can get Braylon Russell, Michael Fuller, and Daniel Hill. I don't know if there's a clear priority there at the moment. Um, I, w- I would think that they've kind of been in the game, you know, longer, stronger with Daniel Hill, and we'll talk more about him later. So. I think if Braylon Russell wants to come and he's okay with, you know, Michael Fuller and potentially Daniel Hill being committed, then, um, then we'll, we'll see what happens. But, um, I, I do think that if Daniel Hill decides not to commit and goes to Alabama or Auburn or something, then you might see the Gamecocks really turn the heat up on Braylon Russell. But, um, like I said, we're going to talk about Daniel Hill here in a little bit. Parker Livingstone is a four star wide receiver out of Texas. Um, he took an official visit to Texas this past weekend, and I think it's safe to say that he's going to be Texas-bound. Um, like I say, he's a Texas kid. He loved his visit to South Carolina. He had a really good relationship with Dante Reno, good relationship with um, Coach Justin Stepp. But I think it's just one of those things where it's hard for a Texas kid to turn down turn down his home state school. If it wasn't for South, I mean, if it wasn't for Texas, I mean, I do think he'd be a South Carolina commitment when he makes his announcement July first, but. In the, in the end, I expect the hometown school, Texas Longhorns, to secure his commitment when he commits on July 1st. Um, I don't know how much more I'm going to talk about Chasen Johnson. Uh, he's a three-star cornerback out of Florida. He visited South Carolina a few weeks ago, uh, went on a visit to Pittsburgh either last week or the week before, committed to Pittsburgh. And, and this past weekend, he went on an official visit to University of Central Florida and He's now decommitted from Pittsburgh and is committed to Central Florida. He was a guy that South Carolina liked. And as I said last week, um, I think he's a guy that can get caught up in the moment sometimes. I don't know if South Carolina is going to continue to recruit him, but I think it's pretty clear to say that he's not done with the recruiting process. I think he enjoys it. Um, So we'll see what happens there. I don't know what happened with Pittsburgh. I, I can't comment on that, but um, he's now a Central Florida commitment, and he's a guy that I was high on. I think he's a guy that Torian Gray could do a lot with, but I just don't know if he's going to end up in the Gamecock class. Um, the last guy, or two more guys, um, Malcolm Ziegler is a four-star safety out of North Carolina. South Carolina had a good official visit with him. I always kind of got the feeling that he he was kind of a North Carolina kid, maybe Notre Dame I, I, don't, I don't anticipate him being a part of the South Carolina class. He's going to make a commitment here soon. 
at at the end of the day, I think he's just a kid that is going to go with the hometown school of North Carolina. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, there's a lot of kids that are committed to South Carolina right now out of South Carolina because South Carolina is the hometown school. So, you know, South Carolina ran the race with Malcolm Ziegler. Um, let's see if he does a surprise. Um, I know that South Carolina feels pretty good about defensive backs that they have either in the fold or in a good standing with, but they would love to add Malcolm Ziegler to the class. The last guy that we're going to talk about that's been an official visitor here recently is D.D. Holmes. Um, D.D. Holmes visited Florida State this past weekend. I think he had a really good visit. Um, I think he's done with visits now. He likes South Carolina a lot. You know, that's kind of that that DMV connection. I know that when he left when he left South Carolina, the Gamecock the Gamecock coaches and, and folks behind the scenes felt pretty good about South Carolina's standing. Um, you know, anytime someone visits Florida State, you don't really it's not a good thing, right? Um, any of those blue bloods, Florida State, Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, um, Southern Cal, you know, there's Penn State. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys that that you know can get caught up in the lights and the big the big college football field. But I know that D.D. Holmes does like South Carolina. I don't think a decision is is imminent. I don't think you have to worry about him pulling a trigger for a Florida State commitment or anywhere else anytime soon. He, he's probably a guy that's going to take some more unofficial visits. But like I said, I do like where the Gamecocks stand with him right now. We should talk really quickly about a new offer that went out. Um, as we talked about last podcast, a, a lot of the defensive line targets the Gamecocks have, you know, been looking at of, you know, make commitments to Georgia, Florida, Southern Cal, and I don't know if this is something where the Gamecocks are kind of recircling the wagons. I really don't think that's the case. But um, Jauhar Franklin, um, currently not ranked in the twenty four seven rankings, picked up an offer from South Carolina recently. He's a six foot four, three hundred pound defensive lineman that has offers from Auburn. Colorado, Maryland, Michigan, Nebraska, Southern Cal, and Washington. He visited South Carolina for one of their recent summer camps. Um, he came away with an offer, an offer afterwards. And he's another guy to keep an eye on because he has the offer sheet, even though he's not ranked, and he has the camp performance to back it up. And, and you guys know how I feel about camp performances. If a guy that's kind of under the radar leaves South Carolina with an offer – I mean, they see a lot of kids at summer camp, and they don't offer everybody. So keep an eye on him. Uh, he's probably under the radar. I really do trust this this football staff with evaluating talent that they see in person. So Jalhar Franklin, defensive tackle, 6'4", 300 pounds out of Louisiana. Keep an eye on him. So let's talk about the official visit weekend. Um, you got to start out with – I'll start, with, start out with our commitments – um, Cam Pringle had a good visit. Um, I expect him to come back to campus for multiple games this season as an unofficial visitor. Um, you know, I think that it was important for him, and he kind of talked about it in some interviews, how important it was for all of the commitments to be on campus again together, um, for them to be able to work the uncommitted guys, and we had some really good ones this past weekend, and just kind of make that vision for their class a reality. Um, really quick, Josiah Thompson there were some crazy internet rumors about him in Alabama that kind of surfaced after his visit. Um, I've been told that they're unfounded. I've been told that Josiah Thompson is locked in with the Gamecocks. He's probably the most locked in commitment that the Gamecocks have. And, and that's saying a lot because I think that, you know, all 12, 13 of their commitments right now are, are really locked in, but 
Josiah is a big part of the Gamecock class. It's not shocking that other schools are, are trying to recruit him. But Josiah is just excited to get to campus. He's excited to be a South Carolina boy, excited to be a Gamecock. And I, I wouldn't worry about Josiah Thompson at all here. Um, I haven't heard anything about Wendell Gregory, um, four-star linebacker commitment. I can only assume that he had a great visit, but I have not I have not talked to anybody that said with anything one way or another on Wendell. But um, other recruits just said that everyone had a good time, so I wouldn't be worried about that. Um, four-star wide receiver, Mazio Bennett. Um, Mazio is just a kid that's willing to put his recruiting hat on. Um, he recruited the Gamecocks for – his offensive line teammate, Blake Franks. Um, he recruited Dylan Stewart and Jonathan Paler pretty hard this weekend. And he has a great personality. Players really connect with him. Um, I can't say enough about what Mazio Bennett and Dante Reno are doing as um, commitment recruiters for this class. And just, you know, worth remembering, Mazio was committed to Tennessee, switched his commitment to South Carolina a um, couple, couple weeks or months after that Tennessee commitment. So, he has a great story to tell other recruits. Kelvin Hunter visited this weekend, four-star safety out of Florence. He had a great time on the visit, um, finalizing some plans to get him as an early enrollee. He's going to come to the Gamecocks in January. Um, he's a kid that understands the value of getting to campus early, so nothing to worry about there. Four-star cornerback Braden Lee is another kid that's kind of just put his recruiting hat on for the Gamecocks. Uh, he, um, he's been working Dylan Stewart really, really hard, and Nothing to worry about there with Braden. Uh, Dante Reno, you know, just love that kid. That, that kid, if he never plays a snap for Carolina, he's a guy that's done more for Carolina than some former assistant coaches that I know on the recruiting trail. Uh, but Dante's locked in with the Gamecocks. Um, if you have a chance, go look. He put up a um, video on Twitter, or I think it's supposed to come out here later tonight, and um, it'll, it'll get you fired up. But Dante... Did, he did typical Dante things this weekend. Just, you know, he's a kid that in talking to other kids that are either um, committed in this class or uncommitted, he's just a guy that, you know, he's a he's a warrior. He people want to go into battle with him. They he he's a he's a professional quarterback. You know, with his mindset. So, got nothing but high hopes for Dante Reno. Three star offensive lineman Blake Franks had a good visit. He, you know, he's a part about that. He's a part of that great wall of, of Carolina for the offensive linemen that they're getting committed now. And he had a great visit, um, locked in with the Gamecocks. So there were four uncommitted players, um, and those players that visited this week were five star defensive end Dylan Stewart, four star wide receiver Jonathan Paler, four star running back Daniel Hill, and three star defensive back David Bucky. I'll go ahead and start with David Bucky. As I mentioned last episode, David was the most likely to commit after this visit. Um, if you didn't know this, he was the welcome home that Shane Beamer tweeted out Saturday night. And he made his pledge actually earlier today on Monday. He's not ranked in the 24-7 composite right now, but 24-7 sports has him as a three-star athlete. Um, he's a kid that plays physical football. He's he's played linebacker, played wide receiver on his high school team. Six foot one, two hundred pounder. He's someone that can really hit hard. He can deliver the woods. So maybe somebody like kind of like that nickel, that nickel corner, and maybe like you know can can slide down to the box, play some linebacker. But he might remind you of like Nick Imanwara a little bit. I mean, I don't want to put that kind of expectations on a kid, 
But he's played wide receiver in high school. He's got decent ball skills. I think that anytime the Gamecocks offer a kid that, that camped, you have to trust the evaluation. I'm excited to see what's in, what's in store for Bucky once he gets to campus. I guess the next place we should go is five-star defensive end Dylan Stewart. So with Dylan, everything went as well as it could have for him this past weekend. He continued to give positive vibes, positive feelings to the Gamecocks this weekend. Um, He really had a chance to continue his bond and relationship with the guys already committed, um, the guys that are on the actual football team for Carolina. I still like the Gamecocks' chances with him. I think that Ohio State's probably the biggest competition at the moment. I, I don't... If I if I was a betting man, I'd still see the I'd still say the Gamecocks are in the lead. But you know, as I've I've tried to tell you guys over and over and over again, this is a a big time recruit. I mean, this is one that you just got to watch. Uh, I I like the Gamecocks' chances. He he says all the right things, and yeah, you know, I think he wants to be a part of the program. So you know, there's nothing that I've heard that makes me feel less confident for the for the Gamecocks, but. You just got to remember these. He just came off official visit to Ohio State, Gamecocks. So don't take this as I'm not feeling good about Dylan Stewart. I'm still feeling really good about Dylan Stewart. Um, four-star wide receiver Jonathan Paler is another kid that visited. Um, first and foremost, John's a great kid. If you're looking for a yes sir, no sir kid to represent South Carolina, I mean, this is your guy. Um, just a great personality, a kid that just, you know, you, you really enjoy talking to. Um, he models his game after Taven Alston, Tyreek Hill, and Debo Samuel. Um, he envisions himself as a wide receiver and all-purpose back for Carolina. Juice Wells was his host this weekend, and they really hit it off. Juice also hosted Mazio Bennett. So the three of those guys spent a lot of time together. Right now he's talking about a late July, early August announcement, and I really continue to think the Gamecocks are in a good place there. I don't envision him taking any other visits at this time, and it's all about a comfort level for him. Great relationship with Justin Stepp. Um, you know, great relationship with a lot of the guys that are already committed. I don't think he wants to go too far away from home, but I don't think he wants to go, you know. He, I can't say he's not going to stay in North Carolina. I mean, you know, you never know what happens in kids' minds. But I really do think that, you know, South Carolina kind of checks all the boxes for him. And it's a perfect landing spot for him to accomplish his goals on and off the field. Still project Paler to the Gamecocks when he's ready to announce his commitment, like I said, in late July, early August. Um, I guess it's also important to note that, you know, right after his visit, um, Paler now has multiple crystal balls for the Gamecocks, including Steve Wiltfong. Um, and, you know, when the Oracle says something, you know, take note of it. The last official visitor that was on campus this week um, was four-star running back Daniel Hill. We kind of talked about him earlier on the episode There was a lot of info all over the place leading up to Daniel Hill's visit to South Carolina. I told y'all last week that, you know, with the conflicting reports out there, if I had a crystal ball, I probably would have removed it from South Carolina. Um, If I had a crystal ball right now, I'd put it right back on South Carolina. I wouldn't say that the rumors were unfounded. I think there was a little bit of miscommunication out there. Um, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that Alabama does want. Daniel Hill. I think that Auburn wants Daniel Hill. And, you know, being from where he's, where he's from in Mississippi, I mean, he's pretty close to Alabama. So um, this is just a case where I think the Gamecocks have been stronger longer. I think that, you know, 
getting him back on campus, letting him get, you know, around the recruiting class, around, you know, some other highly talented recruits that were on campus. Um, I just think that the Gamecocks are in a good spot here. Um, stronger, longer, and recruiting really does matter. Um, Alabama and Auburn, Auburn to a lesser extent are still threats, but I wouldn't trade positions with any other school recruiting Daniel Hill at the moment. I think the Gamecocks are in the best spot. This was just a great a great visit for him to get back around the program, remind him why the Gamecocks have been high on his list for a long time. And I think that, you know, Gamecocks couldn't ask me in a better spot after kind of the misinformation or miscommunication that kind of went out earlier in the week. And And like I said, there is smoke to Alabama. I'm not saying that anybody that said anything was wrong. I just think the Gamecocks are in a good spot right now. So with this official visit weekend in the books, it's time to kind of circle July. I think July is going to be a a really big commitment month for the Gamecocks. I I know the coaching staff would like to zero in on their guys, get most of those guys committed in July, early August, so they can focus on, you know, recruiting key targets throughout the season, but focusing on their team as much as they can during the season and and then getting a head start on the 2025-2026 classes. So all eyes are to the July cookout that's going to happen. There's there's a ton of guys that are already coming to that, and we'll, we'll preview that, you know, a little bit down the road when we start thinking about um, what that cookout's going to look like, who's going to be there, and, and we'll we'll cover everything here on on this late night Gamecock podcast or late night Gamecock show. But everyone, that's all the time we have tonight. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the late night Gamecock show. As always, you can reach me at late night Gamecock show at gmail.com. Again, that's late night Gamecock show at gmail.com. Or you can find me on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson. I hope that you all have a great night and I will catch you Thursday. Talk to you soon. Bye, guys.